The Bibliography of the New England Primer was first published in 1915, listing under 150 editions, locating about 140 copies. Then with the 1917 supplement, com comprised 37 editions and corrections, an expanded second edition followed in 1922, describing 177 editions prior to 1800, locating 210 copies, besides adding 185 additional versions printed during the first three decades of the 19th century. Perfect. Here is Wilbur Macy Stone's copy of this edition. Finally, in a 1934 revision, Hartman records 457 editions with 915 copies located. He also issued a companion bibliography of non-New England primers in 1935, and both remain our chief secondary references one half century later. But to the general rare books person, his achievements lay in many other areas. The October 1986 issue of American Book Collector contains a six-and-a-half-page article on Hartman mentioning that he produced 312 auction catalogs and 160 bookseller lists, but barely noting his involvement with children's literature. Rather, Hartman is credited with producing the first census on Edgar Allan Poe, first editions, 1932, publishing major contributions to the field of Afro-Americana, including a bibliography of Phyllis Wheatley and Arthur Schomburg's checklist of American Negro poetry, and even attempting to write a bibliography of the infamous Blue Book Guides through the Bordellos of New Orleans. I think we're, we're, we're moving the wrong way. I'll continue while we, we, we work our way. Uh, Dr. A.S.W. Rosenbach is a name that will forever be closely tied with children's literature, besides being credited as one of the world's great antiquarian booksellers. Perfect. Am I? Uh, that, that'll do it every time. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. <laughs> um, Rosenbach twice purchased at auction the original manuscript for Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and orchestrated its eventual return to the British Museum as a donation from the Children of America. But he also possessed a notable personal collection of early American children's books, focusing on those published up to Queen Victoria's uh, ascension to the th British throne in 1836. It is a random collection of books to be sure, but still a very distinguished one, with 82 titles published prior to 1776, including John Cotton's 1684, Spiritual Milk for Boston Babes, and Benjamin Keach's War with the Devil, printed in 1707 by New York's first book publisher, William Bradford. Under his supervision, Dr. Rosenbach had his associate, E. Millicent Sowerby, prepare a descriptive catalog of 816 American children's books, 
accurately transcribed and annotated, which he issued under its own name in 1933 with a foreword by A. Edward Newton. The book was handsomely designed by Fred Anthoinson at the Southworth Press in Portland, Maine, and limited to 668 copies, with about 100 reproductions, several of which were hand-colored after the originals. All of these copies were autographed by Dr. Rosenbach. The basis of this collection is quickly identified in the first paragraph of his introduction, as the vast majority of these books were inherited from his uncle Moses Pollock. Born in 1817, Pollock was said to be the oldest bookseller and publisher in the United States at the time of his death in 1903, and had spent 72 years in the trade. He had begun working for McCarty and Davis in 1831, Philadelphia printers who had taken over the business of two earlier publishers, Jacob Johnson and Benjamin Warner, both of whom specialized in producing children's books. When Pollock's employees, employers died and he was able to acquire the business for himself in 1850, he uncovered a large inventory of these Johnson and Warner books in virtually fine condition by some estimates up to 800 copies of a single title. That was how, nearly a century later, his nephew, Dr. R., was able to provide an original 1821 edition of The Burial of Cock Robin with each copy he sold of the deluxe version of his early children's book catalog. <laughs> Dr. Rosenbach had a, a loan exhibit of his personal collection of early American juveniles at the Free Library of Philadelphia in 1927, but also included from his business inventory Nathaniel Hawthorne's manuscript for A Wonder Book for Boys and Girls, 1852. I am uncertain what happened to Hawthorne's papers, but the 1847 date given on the modest hand list prepared for this show was for a set of 50 thin volumes in its original wooden bookcase issued by the American Sunday School Union of Philadelphia and that was donated to the Free Library by Dr. Rosenbach, along with all of his earlier juvenile titles. At the same time, he had also written an article for the Saturday Evening Post on this subject. With the publication of his 1933 catalog, he used the opportunity to quietly sell off many of the duplicate remainders from Johnson & Warner publications, some of which dated back to the first decade of the 19th century. All told, there were large quantities of about 36 titles, which were then divided into three groups of one dozen books each, all in fine condition in original paper wrappers and boxed together in a modern cardboard slipcase with gilt leather label priced at from $2 to $3 per title. Everyone who ordered his book would receive a follow-up letter several weeks later, offering these little sets at $25 to $37.5 per grouping, stating that the doctor has begun selling off a small part of his collection, and many people bought these duplicates, not necessarily thinking that these were the actual copies described in their book, but also not realizing the extensive inventory that had survived. <laughs> so many of these books were salvaged by Moses Pollock that for the next 35 years after Dr. Rosenbach's death, one could still purchase these remainder copies from his successor, John Fleming. In recent years, these prices had risen up to $75 to $100 each, depending on title, but still quite reasonable when you consider that you were buying a genuine American edition 
of a children's book in fine condition that had actually been printed 175 years earlier. The 1930s and 40s introduced many more specialty catalogs of old children's books, from David Randell's 1936 catalog of rare juvenile fiction done for Scribner's Bookstore, Goodspeed's catalog of children's books from Boston, and Catherine Gregory's more modest book lists of about the same period, the beginning of a career she maintained for nearly 60 years until her death a few years ago at the age of 91. There was Edward Morrow's American Children's Books catalog, also published in the late 1930s, handsomely employing colored nursery rhyme paper as binding wrappers, which had previously been produced as the covering for children's shoe boxes. I've uncovered two book lists of collectible juveniles by the Arcasy Bookstore of New York, probably issued during the 1940s, one of them even suggesting wartime with a small rubber stamp announcing 10% discount for the duration. And there are also dealers I do not know at all, from the handsomely produced catalogs of Barnett Ruder to those mimeographed lists of Pegasus Bookshop. Maxwell Hunley issued several children's book catalogs from his own home base in Southern California up into the 1970s. I can even remember going out to California for the first time in the late 1960s because I had heard Max Hundley had Mark Twain's steamer trunk and it was filled with lots of interesting books. I spent three days at his bookstore and found many curious items I was glad to purchase. Even after another California dealer confided to me that Max had had Mark Twain's trunk for over 30 years and kept refilling it. <laughs> there is one name I have mentioned only briefly in passing, but who must be remembered as the real pioneer, the one antiquarian dealer who spent more than 50 years as a rare children's book specialist and to whom I shall always emulate as my friend and patron. Walter Schotsky was born in Germany, 1899, the son of a technical director in an iron construction company near Bonn. Even as a child, he possessed an innate love for old books and also for music, and he spent part of his adolescence studying both. During his university summer vacation in 1919, he joined a volunteer adult education program to bring books to people in rural areas of the country, those who would never have access to a bookshop. By his own description, he writes, I wandered with my rucksack full of cheap books for adults and children, though a rather poor, through a rather poor section of Germany. I went like an itinerant trader from house to house and also set up stands at country fairs. I remember Walter showing me this picture of himself in a village near Folder and he explained that to attract attention, he would play music on his violin. People would congregate and offer him money, but he would refuse donations and instead suggest that they use the money to buy some of his books. He and his wife personally collected early and rare children's books, selling them during the Depression to the research collection of the New York Public Library in 1933. And then he quickly began a second collection of old German juveniles, now with a bit more sophistication after his first experience 
and this library became the basis for Arthur Ruhmann's 1937 bibliography, Alte Deutsche Kinderbücher, which is dedicated to the memory of Hilda Schatzky, Walter's first wife. That was also the year Walter emigrated to the United States and brought with him his second book collection. Previously, he had, he had opened his shop in Frankfurt in May 1920, calling it Jungen Bookerstube to emphasize the need for children to read. And he would often say the destiny of the world depends on the future generation, the youth of today. And although his shop developed into one of the best general bookstores in Germany, children's literature was always at the forefront. He even provided a reading room with current periodicals for young people to visit and browse without feeling any obligation to purchase. I will continue reading from a brief reminiscence Walter wrote several years ago. It was not easy for me to find a foothold in the USA for my work with old children's books. During these early years, I installed two exhibitions of the collection I had brought with me from Germany, one at Catholic University, Washington, D.C., and the other in the Museum of the Rhode Island School of Design in Providence. But both exhibits were entirely disregarded by the public and the press. There just was no general interest in the field of old children's books. It was after that experience that Walter Schatzky produced his first and only catalog, 1941, devoted to children's books, filled with great juvenile rarities like the original watercolor drawings by William Moretti for the first edition Butterfly's Ball, 1907, and a copy of the original 1848 first English translation of Heinrich Hoffmann's Struffelpeter, which was published in Leipzig but intended for overseas export. Within months of issuing this catalog, America was at war, and sales were almost non-existent despite the seductive offerings. But Philip Hofer and Carl Koop, both of New York Public Library, came to the rescue, and shortly afterwards, they purchased all the remaining items, about 90% plus from the catalog, for special collections. Walter closed his bookshop on East 57th Street at the end of 1978, and died four years later in January 83. But during the 22 years I had known him, his gracious generosity and valuable assistance whenever I would bring him a research problem will always be a cherished memory to me and an inspiration to my always helping those who are willing to learn. I have intentionally avoided detailing antiquarian children's book activities that took place after 1959 when I began my own business venture in between high school and college studies. Certainly it was after that period when old children's books came into their own, and even the most traditional dealers like Mags Brothers and Blackwells issued specialty catalogs during the 1970s and 80s. Sotheby's had begun their annual and eventually semi-annual children's book auctions in 1967 up until 1991 and even Christie's London now includes one or two sales in their annual calendar. The trade journal A.B. Antiquarian Bookman, which issued its first special children's books issue in 1949 under the editorship of Saul Malkin, resumed these annuals in 1971. And Swan Galleries sold off the remaining collection of children's books from the estate of old-timer Benjamin Tye, a dealer from Athol, Massachusetts, 
who every time I hesitated about buying one of his books, would take a $5 bill from his pocket, put it alongside the book being offered, and gave me the option to take his money in lieu of buying his book. I never took his $5 bills, and I was never sorry about any of the books I bought from him, only about the ones I didn't buy. But I ask your indulgence to sidestep slightly and go beyond my boundary line, mentioning one dealer who was my contemporary, a colleague and a friend who began his own children's book specialty about the same time I was graduating from college. Milton Reisman of Victoria Bookshop. Whenever either one of us would return from a buying trip to Europe, the other would quickly be on the telephone to exchange gossip and learn of new discoveries. I will always remember the first English translation of Heidi that was undated but contained an 1882 inscription on its end paper. It was a book I didn't buy when it was first shown to me by a dealer in Norwich, England, but Milt purchased it the following week, and it still remains the only copy known of this rare printing. Milt Reisman closed down his shop a few months before he died in December 1990. His stomach cancer proved inoperable but we still talked on the telephone every few weeks until the end, and I often think of him even today. His cigar smoking permeated all of the books he handled, <laughs> so one tried to purchase his latest acquisition as soon as they might reach his shelves and get cataloged. <laughs> he always had a story to tell about each of his books, and somehow those of us who remember his stories will always keep them associated with those books whether apocryphal or otherwise. The spirit of antiquarian booksellers and antiquarian book collectors never die. They seem to remain in the great cosmos, whether it be a flea market antique show or a fancy international antiquarian book fair. Searching for their own golden fleece, maybe this time someone will discover an unrecorded copy of the 1865 suppressed first printing of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland or a copy of Edgar Allan Poe's ephemeral pamphlet and first book, his 1827 Tamerlane. Thank you very much.